0: This is kind of a continuation from the sermon I preached last Sunday. But if you weren't here last Sunday, that's okay. This, this sermon's for you too. It's, it, it, it all goes together. Last Sunday, I preached on how to grow in grace. How to grow in grace. And last Sunday, we found out that we need to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We found that out in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, specifically verse 18. And we found out how to grow in grace is that it's through the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord. You realize that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and that's how you grow in grace. That's found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. You, you can grow, grow to, in grace through reading and studying your Bible. We found that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. How to grow in grace, it comes through trials in life where grace is needed from Jesus Christ. Man, that's one of the main ones. That's how you grow in grace. That's found in 1 Peter 2, verse 3. It's through trials in life where grace is needed from Jesus Christ. I don't care how young or old you are. As a Christian, that's one of the the most important things is to realize you need grace daily. And you need to grow in this grace. The Lord Jesus Christ. And then we found out, lastly, how to grow in grace and maybe one of the most important ways to learn to grow in grace is through being humble. And that was found in James chapter 4, verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 7. Those verses tell us that God gives grace unto the humble, but he resisteth the proud. Man, that's one of the, there's incredible power in humbleness, guys. And if you can learn to be humble, you will go real far in this life. If you can learn to be humble, you'll go even further with God Almighty. It's, it's all about being humble, and we found that out. So, this morning I want to preach on why do we grow in grace. We found out how we can grow in grace, but now I want to preach this morning on why to grow in grace. Why should we grow in this grace of the Lord God Almighty? And I want to start there in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Paul writes here and says, Moreover, the law entered... That the offense might abound. But hey, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness until eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Alright, so the first point we want to make this morning. Why grow in grace? Well, simply this, because you are still a sinner needing daily grace. Amen. That's why you want to grow in grace. It's simply because, hey, we're still sinners. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that doesn't mean that sin completely leaves your life. You stop trying to sin. You realize now, you realize sometimes that you are a sinner coming to Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean, hey, I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop doing bad things. No. And that's why it gets Christians called hypocrites. We're called hypocrites because they see us and they they think, okay, you're a Christian. You should be perfect. No, the only thing that means when you say I'm a Christian is that I'm saved by grace, I'm a born-again believer, and then I know where I'm going to go when I die. That's what that means when you say I'm a Christian. Christian means to be Christ-like. I'm nothing Christ-like. There's nothing Christ-like about Brother Keegan. But if you do see something Christ-like about me, that's not Brother Keegan. Because Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's not Paul. That wasn't... That's not Keegan you've seen that's Christ-like in me. That's Jesus Christ in me through the Holy Spirit coming out. You're seeing him manifest out. When you see me do something really good, you say, Well, that's Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. When you see Keegan do something really bad, That's Brother Keegan, that's Keegan. And that's every one of us. Look, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. What the law shows is, is that you have, it shows that you did break the law. You, do, you are a sinner, that you do have an offense. That's what the law, the law proves that you are an offender. That speed limit sign, when you're driving away from church, that speed limit sign says, it's showing you there's a law on that. and that. if you break that law, if you go over that 55 or 75 or 70, whatever this posted speed limit is, if you go over that, that shows that you're an offender. If there's no speed limit sign, man, pedal to the metal, drop the hammer. That's how I feel about it. There's no law. Where there's no law, there is no transgression. But the law enters that the offense might abound. What does abound mean? Abound abound means to uh, possess in great quantity. To possess in great quantity. So to abound is to possess in great quantity. But where sin abounded, and man, there's a lot of sin, amen. All right, I'd like to get some amens on that. Grace did much more abound. So where you're a sinner, you need a lot of grace. And if the more of a sinner you are, the more grace you're going to need. That's why you want to grow in grace. That's why. Because you're a sinner, and the older you get in life, the more sins you have accumu- accumulated in life. But man, when you start getting older, and you start realizing, man, I, I, I'm just accumulating these sins, and I need to get this stuff under the blood of Jesus Christ. I need God to show me His grace, or I'm in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. I need that grace because sin is abounding in my life. But praise God, grace did much more abound. Verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death. That's what's causing us to die, is that sin. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace Reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's by grace you're saved. Is that grace that's going to get you saved. It's going to keep you saved. Praise the Lord for grace. Grace, remember what grace is. Grace is just an unmerited favor. It's just somebody giving you a free gift. They don't expect nothing in return. You didn't earn it. You didn't give them a dollar for it. It's just a free gift. It's unmerited. That's a beautiful word. Grace is a beautiful word. And we need grace because we need grace simply because you're a sinner and you still need it daily. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but last Sunday I preached on that, how important it is that you need grace daily. It's not enough, and I preached on this last Sunday. It's not enough to say, okay, I just need grace for today, and then I need grace next Sunday, and I need grace the next Sunday. No, this isn't a confessional booth. Grace is for everyday living. Grace is for every hour of the day Grace is it's just like, uh, like Brother Moody said. Uh, Dwight O. Moody said, you can't breathe in one time and expect to last a week. You can't eat one meal and expect to last a month. You've got to eat daily. You've got to breathe. Every moment of the day, you're taking a breath. Your heart's beating in your chest. You need this thing. That's the way grace is. Grace is a big part of your life. As a cr- Christian, it's everything. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. And I can't stress to you enough how important grace is. In a Christian's life. And if there's one thing that lost man and woman, the lost world doesn't understand, it's grace. They don't get it. That's why they call us hypocrites. They call us hypocrites because they don't get that. Hey, yeah, I'm saved and I, I'm a Christian and yeah, you see me trying to do good things. I'm trying to do good things because God wants me to try to be a better person. I'm trying to follow the commandments of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so... I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I, I try to follow it, and when you try to follow it, what do they do? You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite because you're trying to do the right things. Well, I can't call you a hypocrite because you're always doing the bad things. you know I expect bad things out of you. The reason why we don't call them hypocrites is because we expect them to cuss. We expect them to drink and raise hell. We expect them to live like the devil. So nobody calls them a hypocrite. They call us hypocrites because they expect something better out of us. And the reason why they expect something better out of you is because you're a child of the king. <laughs> you're a, I'm not, I don't know any of my members that come up to anybody and say, oh, you're doing so off and they're being self-righteous. That self-righteousness, that's straight from hell. There's nobody underneath the sound of my voice that should be self-righteous. If anything I've established this morning is, you're a sinner. <laughs> Man, you're a sinner, and we're no better than anybody else. Get that out of your thick head. If I'm a preacher and I can admit I'm a wicked sinner, man, you should be able to admit the same thing. Man, I freely admit a lot of y'all live a lot better Christian life than I live. God's just called me to a purpose. We're all sinners. We say, why do you love Him so much, brother? Why do you love Jesus Christ so much? The reason I love Jesus Christ so much is because He's had to forgive me so much. That's what He said. Jesus Christ said, those that are forgiven live little, they love little. Those that are forgiven much, they love much. Amen. That's why they were getting out, because remember that Jesus Christ, why did Jesus Christ even say it? Because a woman came and she broke that alabaster box and she was crying and tears all over Jesus Christ's feet and she was taking her hair and she was rubbing her hair and cleaning Jesus Christ's feet and that Pharisee couldn't believe it and, and Jesus Christ said, the reason why she's doing that It's because I've had to forgive her of so much. That's why some of us us in here love Jesus Christ so much. Because we're so wicked and we know how much Jesus Christ has to forgive us. I want to get that through your thick head. We're not self-righteous in any way. You shouldn't be self-righteous. You can't be self-righteous when you get close to Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Because when you get close to Jesus Christ and you start living the Christian life, you realize you can't live it. And the closer you get to Jesus Christ, you get close to his holiness and his pureness and his love and his grace and his kindness and his gentleness and his long-suffering. And Brother Keegan is none of those things. I'm not long-suffering or kind or gentle. And the closer I get to him and his holiness, I'm like, Man, I'm so sorry and wretched and miserable and no good. That comes from trying to get close to holiness. The reason why you feel so good about your life It's because you're hanging around the world. And if you're hanging around the world, you do look clean around the world. Because the world is wicked. Amen, Christian. A pig pig doesn't feel dirty when he's in the pigsty. And if you're you're a pig acting like a pig hanging around other pigs, you probably do feel like a clean pig. I'm not too bad a person. That's because you're hanging around the world. But you're not going to be judged by the world and what the world's doing. You're going to be judged by the life of Jesus Christ. When you stand before God, he's going to judge you by his righteousness, by Jesus Christ's righteousness. And for me, as for one, I don't want that. I don't want to stand before God and say, okay, yeah, judge me against Jesus Christ. I've already read what that man did. I don't stand a chance. Beat me, whip me, spit on me, and hang me, and nail me on a cross, and I'm going to go look down on you and say... Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. That's not Keegan could do that. But my Savior did that. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Let's look at another one. Why grow in grace? Verse 15. For we have not a high priest, talking about Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Guys, that's why we need to grow in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was tempted just like you're tempted. You've committed some kind of sin, and you know it's an awful sin, and it's a wicked sin. Hey, Jesus was tempted to do the same thing. He he, He was in the flesh. He knows your infirmities. He knows your problems with the flesh. He knows how easy it is to fall. He knows how easy it is to commit that sin. But he was tempted, but he never did that sin. Praise the Lord. But he, because God put himself in the flesh in the name of Jesus Christ, he put himself in the man of Jesus Christ, God can understand when you come to him and say, Father, I tried not to do this, but I did it. I did do this sin. That's how he can give you this grace. Amen. He understands you, God. He understands you. We don't give each other the benefit of the doubt. We all know how hard it is to live in life, amen? Amen. We know how hard it is to live this life, to live in trials and troubles. But when we see some fellow brother or sister or somebody else get into drinking, we start judging them and we're judgmental on them. And we, ah, they're drinking. And look at that, nothing but a drunk. It's by the grace of God, you're not a drunk. We see some brother slip up and get thrown in jail for something. It's like that. Look at that. So pitiful, so shameful. It's by the grace of God, you're not in jail. Man, we don't get this stuff, but God does. See, he knows that we're weak. He knows that we can be tempted. We, he knows of our infirmities. And he's touched by this, though, verse 15. But look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Your Father's throne. Here's another reason why you need to grow in grace. Your Father's throne is known for grace grace. You know, that's our symbol. That's what it's known for. Your Father's throne is not known for being evil. Your Father's throne is not known for being wicked. Your Father's throne is not known for being a warmonger. Your Father's throne is known for being grace. Man, grab a hold of that. The symbol of Russia is a big menacing bear. The symbol of China is The symbol of China is this fire-breathing dragon. What's the symbol of America? A flying eagle. Every country has a symbol. Amen. Every throne has a symbol. Every kingdom has a symbol. The symbol of your kingdom is a symbol of grace. You look at these kingdoms. Every kingdom, and who's that? Of all places, medieval times. (laughs) And we're waiting outside that big castle they have up and down. I love medieval times, by the way. I love seeing people fight with swords and jousting and stuff like that. I'll I'll, I'll pay to watch that every day of the week. Even though it's fake, amen. Standing outside of medieval times and they have all the kingdoms and every kingdom that had a sigil. A sigil just represents what, it's like a symbol of what that kingdom represents. And every sigil had a different had different symbols on it, you know. You had like a, you had like a, a lion. You had one that had a dragon on it. You had, you know, different. And that, that kingdom, like America, has a sigil of a, of an eagle. Amen. Amen. So I was looking at that, and I was thinking about the different kingdoms, and then it came to me: what was God's sigil going to be? If God had a symbol, if God had a sigil, what would that sigil be? Oh, I know what it would be. My King's throne is of grace. And I know it would be a sigil, it would have a cross with a slain lamb and with the words running above it, grace. That's the banner we carry. See, every one of those kingdoms had a banner and they'd carry that banner in the war and that sigil represented that kingdom. That's our sigil. Our sigil is the sigil of grace. It's a throne of grace. We want to grow in grace because our God is known for His grace. We want to grow in grace so we can give grace, so we can have grace, so we can understand what grace is. Because that's what our God's about. Our God's all about grace. Amen. He's about love and grace and forgiveness and giving you something you don't deserve. Man, that's why you want to grow in grace. Because let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Man, we come boldly into the God's throne. And it's a throne of grace. We come boldly because we know we're going to get grace. We don't come boldly because we know we're going to get spanked or we're going to get something evil. We come because there's grace there. There's grace there. That's why we come because there is grace there. You know, uh, we come boldly because we're a child of the king. Amen. Amen. You see what's going on with Trump and his kids. Just recently, they're at that G20 summit or whatever up there in Germany where they're at. So Trump can't make it, so what's he do? He gets his daughter to sit in for him. Why didn't he call me? (laughs) Amen. Why didn't he just call me? Why didn't he call Brother Raymond? Why didn't he call one of his advisors to come sit in for him? They're not his kids. (laughs) And when you're a kid and you're a son or a daughter of the king, you get special treatment. You're a son or a daughter of the king. None of y'all go into my house and go into my refrigerator and just grab a glass of milk. I've never seen one of y'all in there like that. The only one close to doing something like that maybe would be Wade or Matt could do that. They might feel comfortable up just to walk in my door. But you know who does that all the time? My son. Walk in there, get in the refrigerator, get what you want. But me and my wife will be sitting on the couch watching TV or doing something. And the door just open up. Here comes my son walking in the house. Here comes one of her kids is walking. Why do they do that? Because they're a child Of that kingdom. They can come boldly into the house. They come boldly. Because they know whatever's mine is theirs. God. Owns that throne of grace. You can come boldly my friend. If you're a child of God. You see where I'm going with this. Man I hope you do. I hope you get that. And we go to this throne. Because look that we may obtain mercy. And find grace. To help in time of need. The third reason why you need to grow in grace is simply this. You need to grow in grace to help in time of need. And man, we have times of need, don't we? Amen. Physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, financial needs, whatever the need might be. God's there to try to help us, to give us grace, to give us mercy, to help in this time of need. Now listen to what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, the Lord may not give you gold, but he will give you grace. Amen, Amen to that. I can't promise you, Lord, you pray to the Lord, Lord's going to give you a million dollars or a thousand dollars or even a hundred dollars. But I know one thing God will give you when you pray for it. He will give you grace. He owns a throne of grace. It's not a throne of money. <laughs> He's not a bank account. He's not an ATM. You can't come to God like an ATM and put your card in and expect God to shoot money out for you, shoot a new car, a new mansion, a new house. This is not a prosperity message. He doesn't own a throne of prosperity. He owns a throne of grace. You see the verse right there. You see, understand what I'm saying. God's sigil is not a dollar sign. God's sigil is not a a medical sign. God's sigil is a sign of grace. You're not going to find grace in a courtroom. You're not going to find grace. They can't give you grace in a courtroom, amen? Amen. They can't. They got to give justice. You can't find grace in a newsroom. You're not going to find grace in the IRS office. I can't get an amen out of that one. Amen. amen to that. You can't find grace in the IRS office. You're for sure not going to find grace at the Texas Department of Transportation office. Amen. <laughs> Man, when I run for, for the governor, and one of these run for the governor of the state of Texas, <laughs> you'll vote for me, Brother Raymond. Yep. And this is my platform I'm going to run. This idiot, this idiot right here, I'm going to run. One of these days for the governor, I'm waiting for somebody to come call me up and say, hey, let's do this. And this is my platform. First, plat, first thing on my platform is I'm going to do, do away with all toll roads. That's my first, first First day in office, doing away with all toll I don't care what kind of problems it causes. All toll roads, boom, gone. You can go on any road you want to. You don't have to pay a cent. That's one, that's, that, I don't care if Spanish owns it. China owns the road. I don't care. We own it now. We're Texas. Doing away with all toll roads. Second thing I'm going to do away with is this changing of the time. Daylight savings time. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say, okay, y'all pick a time. I don't care what time it is. I don't care if you want to call right now. It's noon right now. I don't care if you want to call this 3 o'clock in the morning. Do whatever you want to do. But we're going to pick a time and we're going to stick with it. And from this day forward, it's going to be called Texas time. And if the rest of the world don't like it, tough. When you turn on the TV, it'll say, Central. they show you this new show's coming on on network TV. There's Central Time, there's Pacific Time, and there'll be Texas Time. That's the way it's going to be. And the third thing I'm going to do is, I'm going to do away with all speed bumps. I'm an outlaw. No speed bumps. I don't care where it's at. School's on with it. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of speed bumps. I hate speed bumps. I'm doing away with speed bumps. Amen. And the last thing I'm going to do, see, I'm already getting some of y'all's votes. Amen. And the the next thing I'm going to do, and the last thing I'm going to do is, I'm going to go into the Texas Department of Transportation. I'm going to clean house, man. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to tell those idiots, you're fired. Every one of you are fired. From the top to the bottom, I don't care if you were sweeping the front floor of the Texas Department of Transportation, you're all fired. And I'm going to put a big old ice cream machine right up in the front of that office. Every office of the Texas Department of Transportation, when you walk in, there's going to be a soft serve ice cream machine like you find at Chinese restaurants. It's going to be in there. So when you walk in, you can get you a free ice cream. Every office is going to have at least 20 people in there that are going to be clerks in there. At least 20. If you go into Houston or Dallas, there will at least be 200 clerks. So there won't be no waiting in line. You'll get a free ice cream on one side, and then I'll put a Starbucks on the other. You can get some free, and it'll be all free. You get free uh, coffee on this other side. You can either get ice cream or coffee. There'll be no waiting in line. And I'm going to tell every one of them clerks, when you go in there and they don't have whatever you want them to have, you will be kind to them, you will be polite to them, you will not be rude to them. See, I'll change this whole Texas Department. See, you see, I have a, you think I have a problem with this? Oh, yeah, I have a problem with the Texas Department of Transportation. I've had enough, I've had it up about here trying to get people with CDL license go up to Waco, and you get on the parking lot, and you try to get one of your guys to get a CDL license, and the, the, the lady instructor comes out. They can't even leave the parking lot. She's already failed them. That stuff. That's all going to stop right there. We're going to show some grace, amen. We're going to have some grace at the Texas Department of Transportation. That's just, well, when I run, y'all remember that, and y'all vote for me. Amen, brother, I appreciate it. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, guys. In the, your darkest hour, in your darkest hours, when you need the brightest grace, man. In my darkest hour, when I've been sinful and uh, things have happened in my life and uh, physical problems, people have been sick. There's been cancer running through the family, man, I needed God's grace. And man, it didn't turn out like I always wanted it to turn out. I've had a young niece die with cancer. And and why did God take her? Who knows why God took her? I can't explain why God does what he does. But I needed God's grace and he gave my family grace. And oh, we appreciate God for his grace. Because we couldn't have got through it. Because in your darkest hours, when you need the brightest grace, and it's always abounding towards you. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I know I spent way too much time on trying to run for governor of the state of Texas, but I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> Me and Brother Raymond are about the only ones kooky enough to believe half this stuff, you know. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Let's look at another way we need to grow in grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Another way we need to grow in grace. You need to grow in grace for this reason right here. Look at verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. There's a dirty word in there, and that dirty word is work, four-letter word. No Christian likes to hear that. But you were, you were born again. God saved you so you could do good works for Him. You're not doing good works to stay saved. You're not doing good, good works... Because you owe God anything, but He he saved you so you could be doing good works. That's why. And all things may abound to every good work. So here's the point. You need grace, guys. You grow in grace so you can have grace to do good works. You need grace to be able to do good works. In other words, you need grace to do good works for people that don't deserve it. A lot of times... When we do things for people, they don't deserve it. And you need grace to be able to do this. Let me give you an example. Jesus Christ expects you to forgive, amen. Amen. All right. He expects you to love your enemies. Amen, amen. Well, how are you gonna do that? Well, you're not gonna do that if you have an attitude like Brother Keegan has. So what I need from God is I need God to give me some of his grace. I need that grace to flow through me so I can have grace to forgive my enemies. Because what are you doing when you're forgiving your enemies? You're giving them something they don't deserve. That's a definition of grace. Do we not have to forgive people for things that they they don't deserve to be forgiven of? Yes, we do. We still have to forgive them. So you need God's grace in your life flowing through you so you can forgive them only how God can forgive them. So you need God to give you the grace to give them what they don't deserve. That's why you need grace, guys. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He's got it all. He's got a throne of grace. You've already learned that. He's got everything for you. Uh, Spurgeon tried to explain it th- like this. Spurgeon said, it's like a fish. He's in the ocean, and the fish one day has, has a conscience, and the fish says, <gasps> I'm drinking up all the ocean. <laughs> I'm going to drink up all the ocean. And he said, it's like the ocean responds to that little fish and says, don't worry about drinking up. You just keep on drinking up. I've got sufficient to supply for you. I'm going to make it all abound towards you. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. God's grace is like the ocean. You ever go down to the, to the coast and look out on the ocean? You get to looking at that. That's, it's, it's awe-inspiring to see that much water. Moving And just, God, oh, that's a lot of water, isn't it? Amen. Amen. That's how much God has grace for you to abound, to give to you. Dr. Dino, Kent Hoven, was, he said he was in a plane and he's flying over the ocean. And he looked down and he said, he told the guy that was with him, he said, man, that's a lot of water. They were over the ocean. He said, man, that's a lot of water. And that guy turned to him. And he said, yeah, and that's only the top of it. Amen, amen, amen. God's got enough grace to give you to supply all your needs. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all, all sufficiency. The Lord provides it all so we can do it all. That way we don't have any excuse. When you don't forgive, when you don't love your enemies, when you don't do those things you should do in grace... God says, I've got the grace to give you. You're not doing it because you're not using my grace. See, God takes the excuse away from us. You have no excuse to live the life. You have no excuse to live the sin you're living. God's giving you the grace to overcome it. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Remember that? That word abound, it's right there again. Grace abound towards you. Remember what abound was? It's possessing great quantity. Guys, we have all the grace we could ever need. We have all the grace we could ever need. Now let's look at one more. And this is the man. This is the this is the best one. 2 Corinthians chapter twelve. This is closing. We'll close on this one. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. This is these. You need to know these verses. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. We'll start up at verse seven to get the context, but verses nine through ten, you need these verses. You need to memorize these verses. Because you're going to go through things in your life. And you're going to need God's grace. And this is where you're going to find it. This is your promise. This is a great promise God has for you. And God's given you all the grace. All the grace you could ever even imagine. See here's Paul talking. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7. "Unless I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelations. That was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. So evidently. We, we surmise from what's going on here that Paul's talking about his eyes. It could be possibly something else, but more likely a thorn in the flesh like his eyes. He always had trouble with his eyes. And he wanted God to heal him of his eyes. He knew God could heal his eyes, but God wouldn't do it, see. In verse 8, he says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that, I might depart, that it might depart from me. Have you done that before, Christian? Have you had something going on in your life? Maybe it's an illness, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a, somebody... Doing something to you. What have you and You prayed for God to do to take that away, and God never did it. <laughs> Can we get an amen about that? Amen. Man. How many times have his sicknesses and you pray, God heal me up, God heal me up, and He doesn't heal you up? That's a testimony right there. Amen. First time I really encountered this in a big way, I worked at a Delta Trust, which was, they made housing trusses, and I was in there, and these guys were all ex cons, every one of them, and they had this music playing on this, ju- on this big old boombox, and this music was the most wicked uh, slipknot. Y'all don't know if y'all recognize it. Any- Heavy metal. These guys, I mean, constantly, it was eight hours a day. That's how they scream. That's that screaming metal music. I'm not talking about rock and roll. I'm talking about heavy, screaming, demons from hell music. And I had to work under that music. And they had that stuff cranked as high as they go. And it was constantly, constantly. It was just in my ear. And I'd go at lunchtime and I'd go eat my lunch and I'd pray, God, please blow that thing up. God, please make that thing blow up. And I'd go back into work and it would still be playing. And I begged God, God, make that music, that boombox, make the electricity blow up, make the the breaker pop, whatever it takes, make that thing. It was torturing me. And I prayed about that at lunch and prayed about that. It it was torturing me as a Christian. And I asked God to do it. It never happened. God had to give me the grace to bear that. He was showing me something. I'm not going to blow that up. I'm not going to make that thing stop, but I'm going to give you the grace to be able to handle it. God says, I'm not going to change that person, but I'm going to give you the grace to bear that person and how that person is. I'm not going to take away your health problem, but I'm going to give you the grace to bear that health problem. See how important grace is getting to be? Guys, if you've not lived with health problems, you don't understand what I'm talking about. If you've lived lived with health problems and pleaded and prayed and cried to God to heal you of some kind of health problem and him not do it, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because Paul says, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Look at verse 9. This is your verse. And he said unto me, this is what Jesus Christ said unto Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Jesus told Paul, you know what, Paul, I'm not going to heal you up. I'm not going to answer your prayer, but my grace is sufficient. See, the reason why you need to grow in grace, and one of the most important reasons why you need to grow in grace, is you need to grow in grace because that's your access to Jesus' strength. And that's my last point to this morning. That's your access point to Jesus' strength. See that? My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect, perfect in weakness whose strength not your own strength jesus christ says my strength so it's not your grace it's jesus christ's grace my grace my strength it's not your strength it's jesus christ's strength is made perfect in weakness it's your weakness when we're at our weakest jesus christ is at his strongest amen that's what that verse says When you're at your weakest and you can't go on anymore and you can't put up with it anymore and you don't know if you can live another day in the pain you're in. You don't know if you can live another day in the physical and emotional torment you're under. You don't know if you can take another step. Jesus Christ says, My grace is sufficient for you. You're weak. You're very weak. But I'm here. I'm strong. I'll pick you up. I'll carry you. I'll get you through it. And He has and He will. He's done it for me and He's done it for millions of Christians. He wants to give you the grace. He wants to give you grace. But it don't come, remember, grace don't come if you're prideful. It comes to the humble. It comes to those that know Jesus Christ as Lord. It comes to those guys that humble themselves that, what do we learn? Study the Bible. Read the Bible. Know Jesus Christ as Lord. Experience life with Jesus Christ. Those are willing to humble themselves down. Those are the ones that have the grace to be able to go through what God's given them. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul just said, find a way to give God the glory, and the power of Christ will rest on you. You just read what Paul said. He says, I glory in my infirmities. You ever praise God for your sickness? See, what I'm saying and what the Bible is saying and what the Word of God is telling you, what Jesus Christ is telling you this morning goes against everything you've heard on TV. Everything those fake healers have told you on TV. Oh, God wants to heal you. God wants the best for you. You No, sometimes God wants you to have cancer. God wants you to glorify Him in your infirmities. Paul just said it. I didn't say it. Read it with me. I'll rather glory in my infirmities. Why, Paul? Why would you give God the glory? That the power of Christ may rest on me. He's saying, you know what? I'm sick, I'm weak, I'm having all these problems, but I'm giving God the glory, and man, I've got the power of Christ in me. Some of the most powerful workers for Jesus Christ have some of the worst problems in their life. Family problems, health problems. Financial problems, all kinds of problems, emotional problems. Look at Brother Bill. He's an emotional wreck half the time. Brother Bill's crazy nutcase. And that man does more for God than you can even shake a stick at. And you know what I know about Brother Bill? He's Brother Bill, you want to punch him in the face one minute? You wish you could run him over with a car another minute? That man will drive you completely crazy, will he not? I could get a testimony from some people in here, but they're not saying it. But one thing I know about Brother Bill, all the bad stuff I just said about Brother Bill, this is the best thing I can tell you about Brother Bill. He gives God the glory. He walks around and he praises God and he praises Jesus Christ and the power of Christ rests on that man. It's amazing. And you say, why is God using him? Why would God use that? Because he gives God the glory. And you know what the key to all this is? Here's the key, guys. Here's the key. Okay, look at verse 10. Let's read verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. What did Paul just say? He likes it when he has infirmities. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. Look, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. What's the key to all this, Brother Keegan? The key to all this is... You must admit you're weak. Amen. God's not going to give you any strength if you don't need it. And you've got to admit you need it. Amen. You know why we have such the power of Christ on us is because we 're willing to admit that we're weak. And what I mean by that is we're re- willing to admit and stand up and say, "I give a testimony, I'm a sinner. Amen. I give a testimony that I'm wicked. I'm sorry and no all good. I praise Jesus Christ for everything he does for me. Amen. See, when you admit you're weak and you admit you need Jesus Christ, man, he shows up in a mighty way and he is there for you. I can give you that testimony right there. And Paul says the same thing. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Yeah, the problem is, is simply this. People won't admit they're weak. They won't admit they're weak. You try to witness to people about Jesus Christ and say, uh, you know, uh, you need to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You're a sinner. God's going to judge you for your sin. I'm not that bad a person. I'm not that bad a person. They won't admit they're they're weak. They won't admit they're a sinner. They won't admit they need God's grace. God's not going to give grace to anybody that doesn't need it. I'm here to tell you, I need it. You need it. You might not realize it. You might be on the inside of my voice saying, He's crazy. I don't, I'm not that bad. I, yeah, you do need it. Amen. And you better find it now. Because when you get before the throne of God and you're standing there naked before God's throne and He's showing you all your sin and you're being judged, you're going to want grace. You're going to plead for grace. And I've done told you, you can't find grace in a courtroom. Amen. Judge, give me grace. And God, standing before you as a judge, can only drop the gavel and say, Guilty. I can't give you grace. Justice can't allow grace. Justice says guilty. The law says guilty. So you've got to find God and find God and say, God, I want you not to be my judge. I want you to be my father. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. God, I want to be born again. I want to become a son of God. I want you to adopt me into your family. I want you to be my father. Because a father can show grace. A father can say, "Hey, I know you messed up, but I love you still." Come on, because it's a throne of grace. See, my father sits on a throne of grace. But if you don't know God the Father, when you run into God, He's not going to say, "Come here, my son. Come here, my daughter. Come here. I want to come here. I know you've been bad, but I I still love you. It's okay. Come here." If you run into God and you don't know Him as a Father, He can only stand before you as a judge, and He must judge you, and He's going to take that gavel guilty and you can scream and cry grace 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 mercy mercy grace grace it's too late you ever looked at a courtroom you've been in a courtroom people being judged and they start crying and the judge says i'm sending you to life in prison i'm sending you to 40 years you sit in a courtroom and you see how they are judge and they start crying there's no grace grace you don't find grace in a courtroom You find grace in a living room with a family. That's why we put up with all our black sheep family. Some people, nobody would put up with them. You put up with them. Why do you put up with them? Because they're family. You love them. You're showing them grace. I'm so glad God considers me a son and can show me grace. But does he consider you a son? Does he know you as a son? Or does he know you just as a wicked sinner he's going to have to judge? Only you can know that. I can't tell you. I can't tell you if you're a son or not. You're the only one that knows in your heart. Have I ever received Jesus Christ? Am I been born again? Only you know that. I can't answer it for you. But we're about to give an invitation. And one thing I know is God wants to save you. He's got plenty of grace to give to you. And if you're willing to humble yourself down and say, "I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. And without Jesus Christ, that's where I'm going." God says, "I'll show up. He'll save you." He'll cleanse you. You'll be born again. He'll start living in you. And guess what? Not, now God's no longer your judge. God's your father. Amen. And you, you, you'll understand the grace I've been talking about this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you allow me to call you father. Thank you for adopting me into your family, Lord. God, I didn't do anything to deserve it, Lord. I just knocked on your door and asked you if you'd take me. And you said you loved me enough and you would take me, Lord. And thank you, Father, that salvation is so simple that... Eight-year-old could come and receive it or an 80-year-old could come and receive it. Lord God, thank you so much for your simple salvation in Jesus Christ, Lord God. Thank you for dying on the cross of Calvary for my sins, Lord God. But above all else, Father, I want to thank you that your throne is known as a throne of grace. And, boy, do we need it. We need it in our daily lives, Lord God. And, Father, if there's anybody underneath the sound of my voice that's dealing with some kind of sin in their life, Lord God, I ask you to speak to the heart, Father, and give them grace to bear it, Lord God. Give them grace to overcome it, Lord God. Give them the grace they need, Lord God, to live like you want them to live. Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, has never been saved, Lord God, as we give this invitation, Father, I ask you to speak to the heart the truth, Lord God. We're going to come down the aisle, Lord God, and we'll get it right, Lord God, and I know you'll save them. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing, because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at indiangapbaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.